0: Welcome to Reincarnation, Past Lives Revisited. Every week we will cover one of the many cases of reincarnation experiences so that we can explore the reported facts of reincarnation and bring the discussion out into the light about what happens to our souls after death. But before we go too much further, I would like to thank Dr. Jim Tucker, child psychiatrist and Bonner Professor of Psychiatry and Neurobehavioral Sciences at the University of Virginia School of Medicine. Dr Tucker investigated Ryan's case and all of the incredible information comes directly from his research. His book, Return to Life, can be purchased from all good booksellers and online through Amazon.com. I would also like to thank Raphael Crux for allowing us to use his music from the freepd.com public domain music site. This episode today is the second part of a case that is so extensive and filled with information that I had to split it. So if you haven't heard part one, I recommend that you go back and listen to part one of Ryan Hammonds and Marty Martin before listening to this episode. When we left Marty last week, we had discussed some of his travel history, but most of the remembered information that can be verified comes from the time he lived and worked in Hollywood. One of the more well-known facts of this case is that Ryan said that the street address of his house had the word rock or mount in it. Marty Martin lived in North Roxbury. He remembered the details of his house too and remembered that he had a pool and a piano. However, I find two of the facts of Martin's life that don't relate to his life as a talent agent in Hollywood to be particularly telling. At one point in his interview with Dr Tucker, Ryan said he didn't see why God would let you get to be 61 and then make you come back again as a baby. At first assessment of this sentence, it looked like Ryan had Marty Martin's date of death wrong as the death certificate listed him as being 59 when he died. However, Jim Tucker, being thorough and wanting to ensure that all the facts were verified, either right or wrong, discovered through census records, marriage listings and passenger lists all of the times that Marty's age was recorded, which proved that in fact he was in fact 61 when he died. So Ryan did have the age of Marty Martin correct at his date of death against the information on the death certificate. The second intriguing point is that when Marty Martin's daughter was interviewed to gain facts that could be verified about Marty's life, she was asked whether Marty had any sisters. She replied that he had one sister. Ryan had talked a lot about Martin's sister and mentioned that he had another sister as well, and at first glance it looked like he'd made a mistake about an important part of Marty's life, claiming that he had two sisters instead of one. However, on further investigation, Marty Martin did have, in fact, two sisters, one of whom died at an early age, and Marty's daughter had never been aware of that fact. Ryan finally did end up meeting his daughter, but the whole experience was not how he expected it to be. His mother had tried to explain to Ryan that a lot of time had passed since Marty had died and his daughter had grown up. He refused to believe this, and said that people were making it up, and that she was still little. He said he remembered her as being not much bigger than he was as Ryan, and he really didn't think he'd been gone long enough for her to grow up. Cindy was hoping that finding the man in the picture would allow Ryan to put his past life behind him. She kept praying that the memories would fade, so that he could just be happy being Ryan. At one point he did say to her, Mummy, I just want to be me, not the old me. He then got angry and told his mother that he didn't want to meet Marty's daughter. Eventually, he came around. He had guessed prior that he might get a chance to meet her and he planned on loving her instantly because you can feel love and it doesn't go away. Marty's daughter was also struggling with the revelation after Jim Tucker and the crew approached her and wasn't sure whether she wanted to be involved in the project. After receiving assurance from Jim Tucker that she wasn't being scammed and there really was a legitimate belief that her father had reincarnated into the little boy, she agreed to meet him. She said she'd be happy to meet up and talk to Ryan, but she did not want to be filmed. Marty's daughter lives in Los Angeles, so it meant another trip for Ryan. However, his intention to love Marty's daughter unconditionally didn't pan out as he was feeling very intimidated and after she introduced herself and said hello ryan didn't respond and turned around and went back to cindy he was standoffish for the rest of the evening after the meeting ryan said to his mother that his daughter had changed he said same face but she didn't wait on me she changed her energy changed i don't want to go back i want to always keep this family Meeting family members from past lives is often fraught with a lot of emotion and children often leave after the meeting, perhaps with a feeling of closure, but also with the recognition that lives have moved on and things can never be the way they were before. However, one good thing to come out of the contact with Marty's daughter was that she was able to confirm a lot of the details that Ryan remembered. She was only eight years old when Marty died and she had fond memories of him but there was a lot about his life that she didn't know. For example, she was unaware of Marty's second sister. Ryan was off on some details, however, a lot of the facts that he related did correspond and match Marty Martin's life. While it seemed unlikely that an extra in a movie with no lines would be wealthy, own a big house with a swimming pool and travel all over the world, Marty Martin did in fact do all of those things. Marty was born in 1905 in Philadelphia. Ryan had talked about a sister and made little reference to having another. Marty had two sisters. His mother had curly brown hair, as Ryan remembered. He was also right about Marty Martin dancing in New York, as Marty and one of his sisters had gone to New York to be dancers. He danced in various reviews and his sister became a well-known dancer. Marty then relocated to Hollywood did a few movie appearances as extras, while he also worked as a dance director. He then became a Hollywood agent, where he had well-respected clients like Glenn Ford. Marty was a big sunbather and indeed did get burned on quite a few occasions. Marty did take young women to the beach and he loved hanging out there, watching the surfers, and Ryan had said that as well. Ryan had said that his wife owned a nice black car. While she didn't drive it, she was driven around in a custom-made Rolls-Royce, which was black. Ryan remembered an African-American maid, and Marty and his wife had a number of them, and the house did indeed have a swimming pool. Ryan said that when he was growing up as Marty, his house didn't have a TV, and he was very excited when one finally arrived in the lounge room. And as Dr Tucker points out, while this would be a common experience for anyone from that era, it is interesting that a six-year-old child would know that people in that era didn't have a television. Marty definitely did travel all over the world, as Ryan stated, although his daughter doubts he ever went to China. However, there was a Chinese restaurant in Hollywood that he really enjoyed. Marty and his wife did go to Paris a lot and Marty and his wife also travelled to Europe on the Queen Mary where dancing took place and that is about one of the best boat cruises you can do. Ryan had talked about having a daughter and interacting with some other children that he wasn't sure if they were his own children or not. Marty's daughter obviously exists but he also had five stepchildren and he did have a difficult relationship with his older stepdaughter Ryan had commented on this at one point when he saw a photo of the stepdaughter that Dr Tucker had left behind after one of their interviews. On seeing her, Ryan had stated, I used to talk to her and give her advice. She never wanted to listen to me. She had no respect. Marty's daughter disagreed that his wife enjoyed putting her hair into pigtails or ponytails, but does concede that it might have occurred when she was too young to remember it. Ryan said that Marty hated cats after he was scratched quite badly by a cat once. His daughter agreed that Marty did hate cats. Ryan said he got a watchdog that his daughter hated. Marty Martin got his family a Yorkshire Terrier, which really couldn't count as a watchdog, but it is true that the daughter hated the dog. Marty's daughter said that Marty bought her a lot of colouring books, so while it isn't proof, it might be surmised that he could well have gifted other children coloring books as well. Ryan asked for a Truade to drink. Marty's daughter didn't remember seeing him drink a Truade but he liked Orangina soda, which is a similar drink. Ryan said he loved bread in his last life and at another time he said he loved blueberries. Marty's daughter confirmed that rye bread and bagels were among her father's favorite food and he also loved fruit. Ryan said he had been a smoker. Marty smoked cigarettes and had a monogram cigarette case. Ryan said that his heart exploded and he died, but this is apparently incorrect for Marty. Marty died on Christmas Day 1964. He had leukemia and his daughter reported that he was in hospital and had a cerebral hemorrhage which caused his death. Ryan would wake up clutching his chest saying he couldn't breathe. Marty's death was unwitnessed, so there's no way to know if he actually was unable to breathe as he died. However, Ryan did say that he died in a room with numbers on the door, which is likely true for Marty's hospital room. Some of the things Ryan remembered were not true for Marty's life. For example, he told of Marty's father who had raised corn and then died when Marty was a child. There were many other items that can't be proved or disproved because there is only public record to fall back on and a daughter who lost her father at the age of eight. However, it cannot be denied that there are over 50 striking similarities between Ryan's memories and Marty's life, and it was quite a unique and varied life that would be hard to imagine if you were trying to fantasise an imaginary life. There is another factor in Ryan's story that I don't really want to relate, but if I'm going to be truly honest and follow my own brief of accepting all facts, even those that don't fit with your own belief, I have to include these instances as well. I have a real resistance to retying the knots that link reincarnation with spirituality, but I feel that I really need to add this into Ryan's story. Ryan had a number of incidents where he seemed to be able to define events before they occurred. When the film crew asked if they could film Ryan's story, after the first interview with Dr Tucker, but before the film crew spoke of their plans, Cindy rang Dr Tucker's rooms and asked if it was likely that they would expect Ryan to go to Hollywood so they could film there too. Dr Tucker replied that in all likelihood they would consider that as an option. Cindy stated that she was just asking because Ryan was insistent that he would be flying to Hollywood for three days on a big plane before the idea was even postulated. That could be sciability or it could be Ryan working out That for himself, due to the interest shown by Dr Tucker and by the film crew. He also predicted that he would get to meet his daughter, but again, that would be a reasonable assumption to make, even for a six-year-old boy. Another interesting event that played out was that Ryan was aware of family occasions, one of which occurred when Cindy herself was a baby. One night, Ryan told her that there were meant to be three babies in her family, Cindy was confused and asked what he was talking about. Ryan replied that there was meant to be her brother, herself and another baby that was also born to her parents, but that baby came out early. He was supposed to wait to be born. The baby decided he wasn't ready to come back yet, so God didn't make him stay. When Cindy said again that she didn't know what Ryan was talking about, he started crying and asked her to ring his grandmother, Cindy's mother, to ask her about this baby He said his grandmother had been very sad and really thought she was going to be able to bring the baby home. When Cindy asked her mother, she discovered that there had indeed been another baby. With her first pregnancy, Cindy's mother went into premature labour and the baby was born and died minutes later. When Cindy told her mother what Ryan had said, her mother started crying. Another time, when Ryan, Cindy and Cindy's mother were shopping out of town, They took Ryan to a walk-in hairdresser to get a haircut. Ryan told the woman that he wanted her to use her red scissors, the ones that had special meaning. She asked how he knew about them. He told her he was psychic and could see them in his mind. She pulled out a black case out of her drawer and unzipped it, revealing a pair of red scissors. Ryan would sometimes touch people's faces, saying he needed to feel their energy. He did it once to his grandmother and told her that she was going to get chicken pox. Two weeks later, she came down with shingles, which is caused by the varicella zoster virus that causes chicken pox. Ryan was going to the movies one day with his father and they stopped by Cindy's office on their way to the theatre. The phone rang and Cindy picked it up. When the man started talking, Ryan reached across and pushed the button to end the call. Cindy was annoyed and asked him why he'd done that. He said the man had a wrong number and was an idiot. The man called back and in fact he did have the wrong number and began arguing with Cindy about having the wrong number. On Ryan's first trip to Los Angeles, Ryan told Cindy that they would have white cars when they got to Hollywood. When the group got to the rental car agency, they were given a white car and a white van as their transport. Once, Cindy took Ryan to a store to pick out some pool toys to take to his grandparents' house the next day. Ryan picked up three water blasters, but Cindy put one back, saying you'll only need two, one for Ryan and one for his cousin. Ryan insisted they'd need three, but Cindy told him two was enough. On his way to his grandparents' house, Ryan told Cindy that his grandfather would break his cousin's gun before he even got to use it. Cindy replied that Ryan's grandfather probably wouldn't even be in the pool. When they arrived, Ryan's grandfather was in shorts and ready to swim. Before Ryan's cousin arrived, his grandfather accidentally broke the water blaster that Ryan had bought for him. Cindy emailed Dr Tucker the day after Father's Day and told him that a couple of weeks prior, Ryan had been agitating to buy his father a watch for Father's Day. Cindy replied he didn't need one as he already had one. Ryan insisted and went on and on about buying one. When Kevin came home from work on the morning of Father's Day, his watch had been broken when he got into a fight with a drunk man during the night. Later that day, Cindy went on to say that Ryan had said his grandfather would need a new wrench. He said he wasn't sure if he lost it or needed a special one, but that he would need a new one. A few days later, she emailed again to say that Ryan's grandfather had had to leave a job early and he asked a man he worked with to drive his truck home for him while he rode with someone else. The man didn't put his tools in the toolbox and instead put them on the flatbed of the truck. By the time they reached home, some of the tools were gone, probably lost on the road during the trip, and Ryan's grandfather did indeed have to buy new wrenches. Cindy also said in the Father's Day email that Ryan had told his grandmother she was going to hurt her back and have to go to the chiropractor. Four days later, Cindy emailed again to say she'd just got off the phone to her mother, who'd been putting some dishes away in a high cupboard, turned the wrong way and threw her back out. Ryan predicted which school teacher he'd be getting for second grade after he saw her name on a list. Cindy told him they'd need to wait till next week till the list was out to know who was assigned to where. Ryan was so sure he wanted to bet an Xbox on it. Luckily, Cindy didn't take up that bet because Ryan was right and his new teacher was the one he had predicted. Dr Tucker called Cindy's mother to confirm all of the incidents that involved his grandparents and she verified that all were correct. So what does this mean? If the cases are true and they are events that have been related by one person and verified by another, although both people are family members, does this mean that Ryan has some sort of psi ability as well as being able to remember his past life experiences? Or are his past life memories not really memories at all, but some kind of psi ability that somehow allows him to tap into some kind of archive of past lives? Was this connection tripped by seeing the picture of Marty Martin? But if that is the case, why Marty Martin, who, with all due respect, is a veritable unknown? Why wasn't Ryan drawn into recounting, for example, George Raft, who would have been a much more memorable and notable name than an extra with no speaking part? Would the possibility of tapping into a wellspring of memory account for why some of his memories weren't accurate? Was he picking up ripples of other lives as well because of his psychic ability? But if these are just memories that he's accessing, why did he have such a strong emotional connection to the memories? For if we remember, he sobbed for half an hour one night, breaking his heart with homesickness. The thing is, Marty Martin's complete obscurity speaks volumes about the validity of Ryan's memories. Because the 50-odd facts that Ryan got right were so diverse and so out of left field and so undocumented that it would be impossible to guess a life like that and actually pick the one person in thousands who actually did live almost exactly that life. So, finally, what happened to Ryan? Ryan started to lose his memories at the age of six in 2015. Although the memories and his recall of them brought him a degree of pain and trauma, The pursuit of finding out about that past life has provided him with some closure. After the trip to Hollywood and meeting his daughter, Ryan was taken around some of the sites of Marty's life by the producers. The house on Roxbury North had been unfortunately recently torn down, but the pool remained and this discovery didn't appear to bother Ryan too badly. They next visited the building where the Marty Martin agency had been. Ryan walked all of the floors of the building and even asked if he could stay longer. It was clear he felt a real connection with the building. He also enjoyed going to an apartment that Marty had stayed in, as well as the Beverly Hills Hotel, where Marty once had a bungalow. The next day, they went to the beach and Marty played in the sand and watched the surfers. Following the final trip to Marty's daughter, Ryan's memories seemed to slip back and became less frequent, unless something triggered a memory. Cindy found that he was better to have showers in the morning rather than a bath at night, as he was more prone to slip into recollections of it in the bath, and that is a common observation among parents of children who say they've lived before. They're often most prone to remember and talk about the past when they're tired or drowsy or in the bath or close to sleep. Cindy was delighted to see the memories slip into the past for Ryan because she saw how much emotional trauma they brought with them and because they didn't want Marty Martin as their son, they wanted Ryan. So she was very pleased to see him become more mindful about the life he was living. Ryan did say he wanted to see Marty's younger stepson. He wanted to tell him that he knew he turned out well. He was sorry he hadn't visited him during his trip to Hollywood, but he didn't know where the man lived. While Cindy and Kevin had been concerned about how the TV show would be received in their small town, everything turned out fine. Not everyone was supportive, but most people were actually very accepting and open to it. In fact, because of the show, they even received a phone call from a Baptist minister that had had a previous conflict with Kevin. He called to ask Cindy not to let anyone prevent Ryan from reaching his true potential and related how inspiring he found the show, so spiritually uplifting that he was going to show it in his next Bible study meeting at his church. Ryan continued to make spiritual remarks and continues to have psychic impressions, but his talk about Marty Martin has almost completely stopped. Six months after The Unexplained aired, Cindy walked into Ryan's room one day to find that he'd taken down all of his wall decorations, including his iron Eiffel Tower and his pictures of New York. Ryan told her it was time for him to just be a regular kid. He wanted to know if his dad could paint his room and they could get some Oklahoma Sooners bed linen. It was a long and sometimes painful journey for him, but just like Pinocchio... Ryan found his way back to being a normal little boy, much to the delight of his parents. Thank you for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We hope you enjoyed this case. If you have any interesting stories about reincarnation or if you can relate your own past life experiences, I'd love to hear about it and I can be reached by email at reincarnationplr@gmail.com, at gmail.com or through my website reincarnationplr.com. If you would like to keep up to date on my latest podcast posts, you can find me on Facebook under Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited, Twitter and Instagram under Reincarnation PLR. We'll be back again soon with another episode, but until then, remember you are unique and your life has a purpose.